You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Good morning, it's Friday, January 24th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm in the studio with Trey Scott, soon to be joined by Barton Simmons, Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. And Trey, you know, we've got a lot of rankings coverage coming up and in and in the rear view uh, this Wednesday we gave you a taste of the rankings council deliberation ahead of the final rankings release for the class of 2020 and in uh, in that vein today we're talking to Barton Simmons about newly published 24/7 sports rankings manifesto yeah so there's a lot we're about to unpack with Barton the important thing that we, we've really tried to work on over the last couple of years here is the transparency and how the rankings process works. And Martin's going to dive really deep on that with the rankings coming out on Tuesday, January 28th, the final top 247 for 2018 and, and the rest of the rankings after that as well. So it's like when you talk to him, you can just tell like he's like, this is serious stuff. Yeah. Like he's really passionate about it. He's really passionate about making sure that people i.e. fans on the message boards know there is no bias mm-hmm. there is no oh well let's move this guy here so this team class jumps up to here like this is legitimately like a well-oiled machine at this point yeah and that and i mentioned this during our conversation with barton but that's like it only stands to benefit 24 7 sports as a company to shed more daylight on this process because trey what you and i know that maybe not everybody in the audience does know is that everybody on our rankings team is so smart conscientious hardworking, really cares about this product and and barton's a good uh, figurehead spokesperson uh for that effort so uh we're, we're getting ready to get into our conversation with barton simmons but we do just want to mention that on january 28th that is when the final top 247 for the class of 2020 comes out on this feed, the College Football Daily. There will be a discussion among the rankings council about the top 32 players, a.k.a. the final five stars for the class of 2020. So stay tuned for that on the 28th. But now let's go to our conversation with Barton Simmons about the 24-7 sports rankings philosophy. Barton, you know, you and I have been working on like how to shed more light on the rankings process in the podcast format for a year. So like, I know that this is something that is very important to you. And I just wonder why, why you feel like it's good, why it's important to shed as much light as possible on everything that goes into this. Yeah. Look, I think, um, I think transparency is critical in this process because look, I understand from a fan's perspective when a rankings come when rankings come out and and they're going to look in understandably in tunnel vision from a perspective of that fandom. Where did my guys move? Um, and in a lot of cases, because of the nature of the process, because if you move one guy up 100 spots, that means 100 people are push, getting pushed down uh, one spot. Uh, people are going to see 
drops and they're going to immediately assume, well, look, they, there's, they've got it out for us. They've got it out for our team. Um, they're biased against our team. And, um, Again, I think that is a sort of a, I get that perspective, but I think if people see our process, um, pull back the curtain, understand what we're doing, how we're doing it, when we're doing it, um, I, I just think that it, it, it creates a, a clear picture that's, you know what, like we're just here trying to get this right. <laughs> we're, just, we're just working very diligently trying to get this as accurate as possible, um, uh, in, in basically uh, a, a process that is, by definition, never going to be perfect. And so, um, you know, we're. Uh, I, I think the more we can let people in on our process, the more they can understand where we're coming from, and I think the more confidence they'll have in the product. Because I, I certainly have confidence in our process, in our philosophies. Uh, and how we do things, why we do things, uh, and and I think this is I enjoy sitting down and talking through it because I I'm passionate about it. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there are a lot of misconceptions about how this process works, and it's and it and it's frustrating for me, you know, as as some as a quasi third party, um, you know, I, I work for the company, I'm not involved in the rankings process, but like because I do know how conscientious and hardworking you guys are, and how smart you guys are, to see some of the comments that you get, but at the same time, like we genuinely to this point have not done a very good job of educating people on how it works. So I, I kind of get it. Is there a predominant misconception that you see repeated a lot? One that, uh, that you think mo- a lot of people seem to have? Again, it's all, I think the, the idea that, uh, that we're biased against a fan base, uh, or against a, a player or team or what have you is, um, you know that that's that's the one that's tough because I think the fan that's presenting that case is by definition biased. They're a fan, and so of course they're going to see it and from that perspective. And so we just have to push back against that. And again, the more we can shed light on this the the, the process and 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 how we approach things, I think the um, the better off we'll be. So uh, you know, I hope that this podcast we're we're sort of engaged in right now this um, this discussion can kind of live on in perpetuity in this on this site and so that people can always circle back and listen to how we approach things and have some 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 clarity uh towards towards that uh that process that approach let's talk about why this works how this works for the rankings at least the 32 five stars 32 first round picks in the nfl draft it's, it's no secret to me at least that the nfl draft is something that you guys sort of I don't want to say model, but it's at root of what you're doing here. Explain that. To yeah, me. yeah. So, like, uh, all right, yeah. So let's let's dig in on, and I think the uh, an appropriate place to start in just what are um, kind of the the foundation of our rankings process and our evaluation process is is founded on <clears throat> having an answer key, and our answer key is the NFL draft, and and I, I want to make a very clear, very important clarification here we don't really care what a kid does in the nfl we don't really care like our rankings are not supposed to reflect nfl success um that is of minimal interest to us so when i see people saying uh, 24 7 sports is silly for projecting to the nfl we're not projecting to the nfl but what we are doing is we are using the nfl draft as our answer key 
as the way we grade our work. And I think it's very important to establish an answer key, establish how you're going to grade your work. Otherwise, you can move the goalposts anywhere you want to say, we were right on this guy, we were right on that guy. And it, 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 it forces us to have a discipline. It, it forces us to have a game plan and something that we are striving to, to hit. And, and I think that the NFL draft is the most effective answer key. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, first of all, there's just not that many uh, options for an answer key. I guess you could just sort of talk about college productivity and just say, hey, like a five-star quarterback should hit this, this mark in, in, in college, uh, or a five-star running back should have X amount of yards rushing or whatever. Like that, I guess, you could lean on. But then there's competition difference, there's scheme difference, there's you're not really judging what that player is. You could, I guess, maybe say, hey, a five-star should be an All-American. But how many All-Americans have gone undrafted, and what does that say about what they really were as a player? Like, again, they could be propped up by a scheme. A guy could be hidden by a scheme. A guy could get in the doghouse from a coaching staff, not play for four years, transfer and, 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 and hit it. Um, you know, I, I just think there's so many different ways that AP voters who barely watch more than one game a weekend or, or college coaching staffs or what have you can corrupt what a player is to the, you know, the public perception. So while the NFL draft and NFL GMs are not perfect, I'm going to take what they say as an appropriate statement on what that player's college career was. Again, that's the distinction here. We're not saying they're, they're, we're not asking these guys to tell us what th- these players are going to be in the NFL. We're just asking them to grade their college career. Um, and by doing that, we're leaning on a GM and a, and a front office that has their career and their jobs dependent on them getting it right and putting in the resources and the time and the energy and the film study to actually have an educated opinion. So we think in, a, in an inherently subjective process, this is the most objective way to sort of detail, hey, this is what our, our you know, this is, this is right or this is wrong. And so we study the NFL draft exhaustively and, and and we try to project towards the NFL draft for that reason. And so we study the trends of the NFL draft. We study what those guys looked like in high school. We study what their background was, what their profile was. Um, we, you know, height, weight, speeds, positionally speaking, um, what positions are valued, what positions are devalued, like uh, uh, just sort of a a one-off example, look, we're not going to have five centers or five offensive guards in the five-star range because you, you, you don't see those guys get drafted very much in the first round. But you'll see them get drafted occasionally in the first round. So we're going to occasionally have a guard or a center as a, first, as a, as a five-star. So like, th- these are all guides that we have, geographical guides as well. And uh, I, I just think that's... NFL draft framework is is important to us and in our process because if you if look if if anyone else that that is is partaking in this sort of engaging in this exercise of ranking high school players like I want to know like what are you trying to accomplish here 
some other company, wherever they may be, like, let me know what you're trying to accomplish. Otherwise, how do I know whether you got it right or wrong? And so I think it's important that we know whether we got it right or wrong. So when you talk about geographical guidelines, I wonder if you could explain a little bit more about what you mean by that. Is it like, oh, you notice, oh, we don't have enough like defensive backs out of Florida compared to what's normally coming out of there. And maybe we need to take another look at that or what? Do you- well, it's more just look, we, we sort of have cross checks. Um, if, if, if we've got 24 stars from the state of California and we understand that, you know, 30 plus typically get drafted in the NFL draft, we're not going to go arbitrarily pick out like 12 more four stars, but we're going to, we're going to double check and make sure that we've, we've studied California enough and, and we've, we've, shook some bushes to make sure we've, you know, there, there's, um, a confidence level in, in, in our product. Same thing with, with other States, you know, if, if, um, we've only got six, four stars out of Louisiana, usually more than six guys that play in the NFL from Louisiana. And so, um, Hey, maybe we're missing someone. Maybe there's a kid going to a group of five school that's got elite track times that, uh, didn't go to camps and maybe we didn't, haven't seen that we need to, uh, to, to, to dig on in on a little more. We just want to make sure we're not missing. And we use positional and geographical cross-checks uh, to, to sort of, again, like be a, be a check and balance for us. And, and not, we're not, we don't have quotas we're hitting, but we do have guides uh, that, that, that lead us in certain directions. You, you talk about shaking bushes and not missing. So let's, let's kind of go, go to the beginning of how the rankings process works, how you first find out about a player, how a player is first discovered, likely through uh, an array of 24-7 sports analysts across the country, and then how that slowly builds and burns into these hour-long deliberations of the five-man rankings council. So let's just start from the beginning. Yeah, well, so look, I I think there's sort of three tiers of evaluators within our network. There's our our local and our team site um, reporters who are very much boots on the ground and in a lot of cases know these guys better than anyone um, in, in their local market or region. Um, they also have some familiarity with maybe the college program they're covering and, and where guys stand on their boards and, uh, and who are high priority, who are maybe lower priority, who are overvalued, undervalued, and they can bubble that sort of information up. So those guys are, are critical to, to, to our framework in fleshing out our database um the we we then have a a kind of a tier of regional national guys from a regional standpoint that kind of oversee our our three-star rankings and um communicate regularly with those local site guys and uh and make sure that collectively those regional and local reporters can can not only sort of rank out the the three-star, two-star range, but also identify and bubble up four-star, five-star guys, those elite players. And and those players are bubbled up to our, our top tier, so to speak, which is our, our rankings council, which is our national team, which really sorts through the four-stars and the five-stars. And we're traveling nationally, so we can sort of compare apples to, to, to oranges and, and we can add context to, to – maybe a more localized viewpoint and we can um and and we're pouring over film year round and so uh that that's the group and it's a five-man council that that ultimately decides on our five stars at our top 24 7 and 
and, and then we really lean on the the network, both our regionally and, and, and locally, to to help us with those three stars, two stars, and and ultimately help make sure we're not missing anyone else nationally. Yeah, I know on an individual basis, you're asking for feedback, but as a network, we're also usually, I'm getting emails a lot soliciting feedback from our regional guys before you kind of go to press with the ranking. So that five-man ranking council, yourself, Steve Voltfong, Charles Power, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, how often are you guys updating the rankings? I know we have these big tentpole rankings events. We've got the, you know, the top 247, the big overhauls, but this is not just a few times a year, correct? Yeah, so I'll kind of break, like go through our the timeline. Um, and I'll start, I guess, with you know your freshman year when you're a rising sophomore we're going to release a top 100 in august before your sophomore year you know the the freshman class really isn't heavily scrutinized beyond that um as those guys get into their sophomore year after signing day that top 100 will be extended to a top 24 7 um and 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 then that class really isn't further fleshed out until we update that top 24 7 typically in august prior to their junior year that reflects all the camp season, all the uh, the summer camp, spring camp circuit, um, and then the, that junior season. So that class, as it approaches this junior season, that's when they really start to receive a lot more scrutiny. Um, so we have that preseason update, we have a postseason update, um, we have a, we'll have a post signing day update, um, and then you know then they're sort of in this rising senior mold, and that's when we're we're very critical and analytical in the way we approach it and we're going to have a, typically about four updates that that cycle you know a a, a post february update a post spring update a post summer update and a post season update and then we'll finalize that ranking with a with a post all american game update and so th- those are our sort of big overhauls that we make and 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 those obviously are substantive moves and we make you know they're, they're, they're very active we do a lot of it and and but in between that I, I think this is what's a little bit different about us than maybe some other recruiting sites out there we are very reactive over the course of the year particularly in that top class that senior class um, in the fall of that senior year we're doing weekly or bi-weekly updates of either reactive to what they've done in the, on the field on Friday nights, or just positional audits where we'll go through and look at a position group and see where things have maybe gotten out of whack and, and make changes based on senior tape. Look at commit lists, conference by conference, and sort of dig into those commit lists and make sure we've watched the, the, the right film, the most updated film, gotten the most updated information, make those moves. So we're doing those weekly and biweekly during the year. We're also doing those in the spring Every weekend we're out at events. Every week, that following week, we're trying to make the appropriate changes that those events merit. And so, we're you know our board, so to speak, our rankings is is ideally very reflective of of what a an NFL draft war room would be as more information comes in, or what a a, a college football recruiting board would be as those coaches hit the road. So look, we we have we're constantly getting new information. In a lot of cases, that information requires instantaneous changes and updates in other situations maybe the information is a little more incremental whether it's positive or negative to where we're not ready to make a move right then and there 
But as time goes by and we see more context around that player or that mediocre or slightly better performance than we envisioned sort of piles up on top of itself with other slightly better or slightly worse performances, then maybe we'll make a change that's significant once that overhaul comes. And so it's, again, it is, it's both very real time and reactive while also incorporating these big overhauls, which are necessary to really kind of have a, a wholesale audit on, on, on how we view things. I, I do want to get in more into like how you guys think about four, three, two star players. But one last question I want to make sure I ask about five stars is I know early on in the process, you think a little bit differently about who gets a fifth star than you do later on in the process. You're a little more careful to give them out early on. And I wonder if you could just describe kind of the thinking behind that. Well, I mean, a five star is a, it's, is a weighty title and we are going to have 32 because again, we want it to be reflective of the first round of the NFL draft. And we'll dig into this a little bit more in a few minutes, but a five star is a guy that we think in each class is the most likely to be a first-round NFL draft pick. So those are the guys that are going to have a career in college most likely to merit a first-round NFL draft pick. And so because that is such a kind of a weighty title, we're going to work our way up to that. We're going to only like bestow a five-star grade on these players when we're very confident in who they are. And so we don't want to be shuffling guys in and out of five-star range we don't want it to be flippant we want it to be uh a uh, you know a substantive thoughtful uh move and so the five you know i think we have coming into our last update i, don't, I think we have like i don't know 16 five stars or something and so uh, that gives you an idea you know we're doubling that list basically for the final update as we make, put our final stamps on these guys and so um, it's similar, you know. It's similar to four star. You know, we don't want to flip guys back and forth from four star to three star. When you're making these big jumps from one tier to the next, we want to have some confidence in it, and so we we take that seriously. And we might we might butt a guy right up against that five star range, and he might even be within the 32 players. But we're not going to throw a fifth star on him until we're very confident in who he is. So, what are some of those philosophical differences between what makes a four star and a three star or two star? Obviously, we start with the five stars, and, and, and we even have a rating system that goes above 100. So the, the ratings are 98 to 100 and, and 10. And so uh, a, a rating of 105 is the highest we've ever actually handed out. That was Jadavian Clowney. 98 to 100 typically is a five star. One over 100, so 101 plus is a uh, generational, maybe the wrong word, but a guy that you don't expect to see every year. A guy that only comes around maybe every couple years. Uh, and so... The five stars, again, are players that we believe are future first-round draft picks. Four-star players between the rating of 90 and 97 are guys that we believe are the most likely in each class to get drafted and play in the NFL. Now, the three stars is, you know, obviously the three stars have been watered down to the point where everyone considers a three-star like a bad player because you're just comparing him to a four-star and and it just look like the optics of it uh, have have programmed people to to sort of be underwhelmed by a three star, but the reality is that a three star makes up the bulk of of high school football players or the, or the bulk of college football prospects at least, and uh, that that range of 
an 80 rating, which is the lowest three star, to an 89 rating, which is the highest three star, incorporates so many, like such a spect- wide spectrum of ability. And an, a kid that's rated between an 87 and an 89, that's a kid that we think is, is highly likely to play NFL football, whether it's drafted, undrafted, whatever, like a guy that we think is going to be an impact, high-level player in college football at a major college football program, Power Five. So those guys are really good players, and we have to draw the line somewhere. And frankly, I've, I've made this sort of case too. Like when you look at high school football players or, or college football prospects, rather, if there's 3,000 of them in a class, I don't know. There's probably 2,000 of those guys that realistically could play in the NFL. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe all 3,000. Maybe, maybe you know, all except for the five-five guy that just you know snuck sneaks in. But like most guys that play college football, that get a Division One scholarship, have something in them that's that has NFL capability. So like we're not going to get them all right. So we're saying those high three-star guys are actually really highly likely NFL guys and guys that we're really high on. A mid-three-star, 84 to 86, that's a guy that we think is a starting, a starter-level player at a Power 5 program. So again, still a really good player. And a low three-star guy, 80 to 83, that's a guy we think is a contributor at a Power 5 program and a potential impact player at a Group of 5 program. Once you get to the two-star range, again, still a really wide spectrum, but those are still guys that we think are Division One FBS contributors, and they're just guys that we think have a significantly lower likelihood of playing in the NFL relative to the three-stars, four-stars, five-stars. So it's all very relative, but it's all – I mean, it's, it's important to note that, you know, it's, it, what's frustrating is you see every year the uh, – you know the hey the the, the Super Bowl is coming around and look at all the three stars playing in the Super Bowl. It's like well yeah, I mean most people in the world are or most football players out there are three star or lower. There's a very small group of players that are four or five star players, so it makes sense that a lot of them are going to end up hitting. And in fact, many of those three stars that are playing in the Super Bowl are probably guys that we thought were outstanding prospects, ranked as high three star guys, and they hit and. You know what? Like we're not going to get the per, like the three, however many guys get drafted every year, two hundred and fifty or whatever it is. We're not going to hit two one through two fifty exactly. And so we're we're gonna you know there's there's a few guys that are going to hit otherwise. Are, are there sometimes factors uh, surrounding a player that maybe cloud certainty about whether he'll be eligible to play at the uh, in college that kind of factor into maybe he's a three-star instead of a four-star because of that? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 sort of an age-old question that, that we always wrestle with how to handle. Um, and from, elig- from an eligibility standpoint, typically, unless we have absolute rock-solid information that a kid is not going to be eligible, um, obviously that affects him as a prospect if he's not going to be able to play college football. But we, we cer- certainly academically – we try to limit how much that influences our decision because you just never know who's going to get eligible and how and when. And, and, and so, um, you, you know, that, that, that can burn you if you, if you lean too much on, on what a kid's academic eligibility looks like. Is that, is it maybe, does that maybe partly show up in, well, because he has some academic questions, he's not getting heavily pursued by some of the big programs and so that's kind of a signal to you guys yeah so i think less so in the in sense of the the why he isn't being pursued like but but it's fair to say that we do take our cues in terms of who we evaluate 
based on who is getting offers. We're not going to go out of our way to just hunt down guys without offers and and try to evaluate them and discover players. We're we're in a media business and we're not driven by subscriptions in, in our, on the ranking side. We're not driven by big markets. We're not driven by um, programs that you know. We're, like we're driven by find like, but we are driven by trying to rank and evaluate and cover from a recruiting perspective the players who are being recruited. And so if a player has no offers, we're we're not we're not highly motivated to to throw a ranking on him to 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 dig into his eval because we've got 3000 other guys that have offers that we need to be aware of and and have a a a, a substantive feel for. And so um so sure like that's a way a guy can slip through the cracks is if whether it be off-field academics or any other reason, he just doesn't have offers. Ideally, one of our local or regional guys can discover that player, bubble him up, and we can make a stand on that. But realistically, that's just less likely to happen because we are spending our time engaged in the players that are being actively recruited. So you make a ranking, you you come to that conclusion, you throw an 87 on a guy, and then he goes into the the 24-7 sports composite pot, which is... Let's talk about that. So it, it takes into account rivals. It takes into account ESPN. And every year, Barton, after the NFL draft, you sort of do some self-scouting. And you do it. How, how did our rankings do just the 24-7 sports as compared to everybody else's? And 24-7 sports has come out on top. And But but anyway, we still lean on the industry-generated 24-7 sports composite for a lot of the stuff we do. To, why is it important to, to lean on that so heavily and what are some misconceptions that you p- see pop up there? Yeah. I th- the 24 seven sports composite is just another way for, for us to continue to try to, to prop up objectivity as much as possible in a very subjective field. Um, the, 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 comp- obviously look, if you want to know what we think about a player, it's, it's right there on the site. It's below the 24 seven sports composite grade. You can toggle our, t- our top 24-7 to, to see where we rank guys, and you can obviously see where the composite ranks guys, which is our, our, our industry standard. Um, but it's impo- the composite is important because, in part, it's important for a few reasons, but, but one, I think, really critical one is we are acknowledging an inherent bias for everybody. And that bias is unintended, but that bias may, may be based on, look, one network may have seen guys in events that we didn't. One network may have stronger evaluators in a region than maybe we do. We, they may have more manpower. They may have seen him in a bad day when we saw him on a good day. And so because of that, we like to, get to feed our rankings into that composite so that you can see what the industry sort of standard is, what the industry consensus is. And you don't have to agree with the industry consensus. And you can look at ours and you can trust ours more if, if you choose. Um, I certainly have confidence in ours and I believe in ours. And I and and if you if you follow the NFL draft and and if that is your your standard, then ours have objectively been the most accurate. But I think it's important to acknowledge that look and I think it's important to 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 clarify if you have some conspiracy theories about us trying to prop up a school or, or, or something like that, I think we can have some plausible deniability through the composite as well by saying, look, 
we're just feeding into the composite. We're one of of a handful of of sites that are that feed into this composite ranking. And uh, because of that, I think it it gives a a more objective and certainly more I guess a more of an unbiased I think um, ranking. And and again, bias shouldn't be misconstrued as us playing favorites. Bias is more related towards just whatever that pr- that process annually has has produced in terms of where guys have been seen, who saw them, who's doing the rankings, and, and I think sort of the group think of creating that consensus ranking is is, is typically a, a good foundation for uh, looking at a class. So, like the I I know you got the degree from Yale, but I don't know. And if if people want to like get really into the weeds on uh, the math of this, they could. But there's the word Gaussian distribution involved, and it's <laughs> I was it's, a history major, so okay. a lot of this stuff is still pretty rough on me too. So um, it's 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 certainly over my head. But like, you're not like this isn't a two way stream of information where you have the ability to affect where people are ranked. Right. It's all the input is the score that you give the individual player and then the math dictates where the what the team score is and then where they fall in the rank. Right. There's there's no subjectivity to the team rankings other than the subjectivity that goes into our player rankings. So when we rate a player, that twenty four seven sports rating is added to the composite. That composite, with the help of the other major networks, then spits out a a, a 24-7 sports composite rating, and that's the rating that is used to generate the team rankings. And uh, the team rankings, in terms of that Gaussian distribution, you know, the the one way to look at the the team rankings is, um, you know, your highest rated commit counts for 100% of his value. Each commit below him is it counts for a little bit less of his own value until it tails off at about an average of, of what each class is in terms of like the you know 20 or so I think is where it starts to tail off and we do it that way so that a you're not you're not rewarded for taking 30 guys in a class when someone else takes 20 and b you're not penalized if you take a two-star at the bottom of your class, we don't care. That still could benefit you, but ultimately you're being you're you're, you're being graded more the the higher your commit is rated in your own class, and so uh, it's it's a way for us to sort of reward the strength of a class most heavily, rather than you know maybe the tail end of a class which might have no impact on your your program. All right, Barton. Uh, is there anything else that you don't think we covered about things people need to know about this rankings manifesto? Uh, you know, I think the only thing maybe we didn't quite hit on is, is you know, as we go through this evaluation process, um, you know, people might like we've we've again we've really studied because of because we have a, an, an end goal because we have a an answer key and because we know we can study that answer key to find these trends, you know, we might really take into account some critical factors that maybe others might not be as focused on, you know, we, for the running back position, for example, we're not going to necessarily rank a guy really low 
because he didn't run a sub-11 second 100 meter. And conversely, we're not going to necessarily rank a guy really high because he ran a 10-500 meter. We're going to evaluate the other factors of his game as a running back rather than just a pure speed guy because we've learned that the running back position is one where the highest drafted players are often guys that were fairly average from a speed standpoint in high school but got faster and 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 had other indicators that they would be successful cornerback for example you know what like a lot of times we can get seduced by a 200 pound cornerback that's bigger than everyone and is and and then rank him really high and yet you find in the NFL draft that those guys haven't gotten drafted as high when instead the guys that really tend to pan out are usually like 165 pound lengthy kids who might not even be that fast yet but are going to get stronger and have shown athletic indicators elsewhere that we can can build on and so there's a lot of different position groupings and 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 legwork that we've done in identifying where we need to prioritize things and and they might be things that are counterintuitive to to some folks but again they're things that we've come up with through a, a lot of of really heavy due diligence and we're and that changes and that evolves and it and it and and every year every draft merit like nets or produces a new set of data that we can dig into and be really um critical of and so um I just think it's important for people to understand that that nothing is done flippantly by us, um, and we're gonna be we're gonna make mistakes. Like by definition, we're gonna make mistakes, and uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna release a ranking here in the next couple of days, and I'm gonna be able to tell you right now, there's guys on there that are just wrong. Um, but I think what I am incredibly confident in is the integrity of our process. And, uh, and and the way we've come to what, what that process is. And so um, people are going to disagree with our rankings, and, I, and, I, and they should, and I hope they do. We can have those discussions. That's because I enjoy them. But uh, I, I hope that this can help create some clarity on at least what our process is and, uh, and why we do it that way. All right. Barton Simmons, Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.